It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Speaking of those fans, today is a mailbag show. All of your questions from Twitter, from the Locked On Packers fan hotline. By the way, if you want to hit us up on that Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do so, 920-341-3775. And before we jump into everything else... Uh, I was on Locked On NFL yesterday. If you haven't gone and checked that out, go do so. We we dove deep into the Packers, and uh, you know if you're a if you're a regular listener of this show, it might not be a ton of new information because I've said most of the things that I've said, you know, on on this show that I said on that show. On the other hand, I think it's important for Packer fans to understand the questions and the commentary surrounding the team on a national level, that people who are not in the weeds every day studying the team and worrying about the team and fussing about the team and talking about the team are thinking about the Packers. And I think you will find that Matt Williamson had some very interesting insights of his own about the Packers. So go check me out on Locked On NFL. We're going to start with your questions. That's going to be our show today, and we we have a lot to get to, so let's jump right in. Hey, Peter, it's Sarah from Minneapolis. This coming in from the Lockdown Packers fan hotline. Ted Thompson's legacy, free agent signings, and the draft, among other recent discussions, have got me thinking about improvements on the margins. I'd be curious to hear what areas you feel the Packers need to marginally improve the most from 2018 to 2019, and if you think... They've made the right moves to get there. As always, thanks for the best Packers podcast around. Sarah, thank you for your kind words. I'm also glad you brought this up because it's something I've been thinking about uh, all offseason and really for the last year because Brian Gutekunst has taken a very different approach to improving this team on the margins. And it's something that I think at various times over the course of the last year or so we've, we've talked about on this show, and that is that BG has taken a a much more aggressive approach to uh, filling the margins of the roster, and he's taking a distinct approach, and that is find players who were talented coming out of the draft, who have a distinct skill set or a distinct uh, defining characteristic. They're fast or they're athletic or they're super instinctive or they're smart, whatever it is. They have a specific set of skills, not unlike Liam Neeson and Taken. And the, the idea is basically come in and, and help us in whatever way you can. The Packers signed recently waived Lions tight end Michael Roberts. He's someone who has actual NFL action, caught three touchdown passes. 
uh, was a former fourth round pick. He's athletic. He's inconsistent. He can only do a couple things, but th- those things he can do. And you shouldn't expect him to come in and be, you know, the second coming of Travis Kelsey. But he is someone who, as your fourth or fifth tight end, can provide value to your team. He can provide depth. He can provide special teams value. And that skill set is something that the coaches can build on. So just from a just from a uh, intentionality standpoint, from uh, what he's doing from a, a philosophical standpoint, I think is important in terms of what they've done on the margins. You know, I think we're going to learn a lot about that in training camp. He did a lot, Brian Gutekinds did last year on the margins. And I think we're going to start to see some of that stuff pay off. I think Natrell Jamerson as a safety, who was someone they brought in mid last year, you're going to see him have a bigger impact. Tony Brown, you're going to see him get opportunities to be a legitimate rotation level corner and a special teams player on this team. You know, those are moves that are made on the margins. Bashad Breland was not a player that was made on the margins, but he was a player that was that was signed because they had all these depth problems. He helped far more than just on the margins. They brought in Nico Siragusa. That was a margins move and there were a lot of the Packer Media people, fans that thought he could be more than that. Now it turns out he wasn't. But this approach to what they're doing on the margins from Goody is notable. And I expect it to continue. And so if there are injuries, if there are issues, there are going to be players that that Green Bay could be interested in. And that was just not the case under Ted Thompson. So I think, you know, we don't have a move right now that I can point to and say that's the move. I think the moves that, that are most stand out to me that could be that kind of impact happened last year and we could see dividends paid this year, but I expect there to be more moves. I expect there to be some signings in August. I expect there to be some signings during the season. I think Michael Roberts is certainly an indication of the strategy that the Packers are wanting to take. All right, this is from at Mr. Vickman on Twitter. Question for Peter Bukowski and at Locked on Packers. When does this coaching strategy become detrimental to the team? By focusing so much on past failures, it seems like Nagy is setting up the kicker for future failure. This is based on a tweet about how um, the kicking competition went. The, the Bears ended up waving Chris Blewett, who they had brought in uh, amidst the, uh, the kicking debacle. And I do think it is a fine line between a team, and I'm not just talking about the Bears, but I'm, I'm talking about any team that has a, a particular area of weakness. There's a fine line between addressing a need and trying to fix something and psyching yourself out and doing things that are detrimental to your team. I think there, that, that line is much finer than it seems because... It, it can be the case that you you have guys on your teams who can do the job that you need them to do or you're bringing in someone who you want to do the job that you need them to do. But there's all of this added pressure, all of the, the fan pressure, the media pressure to perform. And the more emphasis that you place on it, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy where it becomes something that now it's in everyone's head. And maybe the the snap, the long snapper feels like he has to be perfect. And the holder feels like he has to be perfect. And everyone on the special team staff feel like they have to be perfect. It can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, this sort of failure. And I think at times the Packers special teams 
has been that, that too much attention has been paid to it. And as a result, there's been some overthinking of it and some overcoaching and some overtinkering. That can happen. This happens on the NFL level for sure. And, you know, I think that every team has to guard against it. It's not easy to guard against because the instinct when you have a facet of your team that is not up to par, not up to standard, is to say we need to allocate resources that way. And we need to we need to coach it up and we need to add players and we need to do X, Y, Z to make this better. And that's true. You do need to do that. But it has to be in a way that is constructive. And the longer those failures linger, the harder it is to pull yourself out of that muck and mire of failure because the pressure mounts and it builds. And, you know, the Chargers for a long time, they just were a special teams disaster for years. And the Packers are the same way. And I think you, you can look at a lot of different facets. The Seahawks, they had a struggle with their offensive line forever. Now they they were way too reliant on Tom Cable and a host of other reasons that that, that went to, to hell. But it is, it is a finer line than I think we give credit often. The line between allocating resources and coaching something and emphasizing something and going so far to focus on it and put pressure on it that you're actually hurting your team, actively making your team worse or putting too much pressure on your team. And every coach has to try and walk that line. And speaking of putting pressure on yourself, we have to talk about sex and not just any sex, good sex. We all put pressure on ourselves to perform. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence boost you need with BlueChew.com. Unfortunately for the Bears, they don't make BlueChew for kickers. They do make it for you and I for performance in the bedroom. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and BlueChew ships and prepares direct so they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code Locked On. Just pay for shipping. Again, that's blue like the color blue. Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, I want to I want to answer a pair of questions because they're they're related. But I want to I want to you know give shout outs to both of these people for sending the question at Cal Ozanic. I hope I'm saying that right. Ozanic. One of those has got to be right. Uh, Cal says, do you think it's becoming more and more likely that Jamon Moore gets sent to the practice squad? As I'm hearing the staff talk about Davis and Rogers talk about Kumaro. I can't help but feel more is the odd man out. And from Joshua Tatelbaum. Two hypotheticals for you. One receiver spot left, Kumaro versus Moore. Does Moore get it because he was the fourth-round pick? And two, Kumaro versus Davis. Does Davis get it because he returns punts and kicks and is a gunner? This is the most exciting, interesting, fascinating, whatever adjective of those you want to pick, or pick your own. Pick something even more interesting than the ones I use there. Training camp. The, the battle that I'm going to be most interested in and, and I think is the most exciting is the receiver battle because we only are sure about the roles offensively for sure on three players. Devontae Adams, we know what he is. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we know what he is. Geronimo Allison, we know what he is. And we're pretty sure Equinemia St. Brown has a place in this offense in the slot on the outside. We're going we're gonna to get that parsed in the preseason and in training camp. No one else has a for sure role in the offense. Now, Trevor Davis has a role on special teams. Jake Kumaro has the support of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think we should we should look too much into Kumaro having the support from Aaron Rodgers. There is a long line of receivers who have received the Aaron Rodgers stamp of approval and not made it through training camp. And there have been plenty of receivers who Rodgers has not loved who have stuck around. Jeff Janis, the most prominent example. You want to go the other way? Jared Aberderis is a player that Rodgers loved, couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay on the team. So the fact that Jake Kumaro, you know, has the eye of Rodgers doesn't mean he's going to make the team. Now, he's been getting some first-team reps. Does that make he, mean he's going to make the team? No. I, I consistently go back to something that, that Bob McGinn is a big proponent of, and that is this idea that when you have these, these position battles, injuries almost always sort them out. It is almost always the case that you don't just have too many good players, especially at a, at a position where you need five, maybe six receivers. So if we know those three, Adams, Allison, MVS, and we're pretty sure about EQ. That leaves three guys, Davis, Kumaro, and Moore. I don't know how much Moore's draft status helps him in this discussion. 
But I do know Trevor Davis being the only guy who can return punts and kicks for this team, or, or at least the best guy, but the only proven, truly proven guy is Trevor Davis. And there have been reports and, and talking to players, they have said Trevor Davis has taken a step. Offensively, he looks more engaged. He looks better. He makes a play every day on the offense. Now, that was also something we said about Jeff Janis. I don't know that Trevor Davis is a natural receiver. I don't know that he can be anything more than a returner, but he could also be a gadget player. You give him the ball on jet sweeps. You let him run a deep route every now and then. There's value there. I think, barring injury, he's on the team. All right, so that's five. Adams, Allison, MVS, EQ, Davis. The question becomes, do they keep seven receivers? I find it hard to believe, given the additions that they made at linebacker, at safety, at offensive line, that they feel that they can keep seven receivers. I think that's a luxury they just can't afford. Now, if you only keep two quarterbacks, that opens up a spot. Does Tim Boyle or Deshaun Kaiser play well enough that they they feel like, well, the other guy is expendable? We'll see. I don't know. I think a lot of, of how many receivers the Packers, because I could see them keeping five. You get to Davis and you just say, all right, everyone else, thanks for playing. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's likely because you, because you have Moore and Kumro. So where does this shake out? Who is more valuable? Because Moore is clearly younger, clearly of the higher pedigree. We just don't know if he can play. Jake Kumro has made plays on an NFL football field. And, and regular season plays, caught a touchdown against the Jets, and, and has, has practiced effectively. If Green Bay is getting quality play out of EQ and MVS, do they care that Jamon Moore was drafted ahead of those guys? Because the idea of drafting three receivers is you're going to hit on one of them. One of them is going to become a useful player. You just throw resources at the problem. That's what they did. And if they come away with, one, one and a half, two useful players out of the three. It doesn't really matter that Jamon Moore was the fourth round pick. We can talk about opportunity cost and all that stuff. I felt like EQ should have been a second or a third round pick. They got him much later than that in the sixth round. So, you know, they didn't know that they were going to do that when they drafted Jamon Moore. It doesn't make Jamon Moore a good pick. But when we're talking about a GM looking at his draft class and looking at a player, he may say, look, yeah, I know I drafted that guy and I saw something, but he hasn't been that thing. When we're talking about fringe roster players, I need to know what else you can do. So if you're Jamon Moore, can you show that you can be a gunner? Can you play special teams? Can you help the team in other ways? Jay Kumaro, same question. Can you play kickoff coverage? Can you play punt return? Can you play punt? Can you go cover punts? These are all questions that are going to get sussed out over the course of training camp in the preseason, and they're all important questions. We just don't have answers at this point. If we're talking about pure receiving skill, all right, just just who I think the best receivers are, clearly you've got those four guys for sure, the MVS EQ from last year, and then Allison and Adams. Those four for sure. The next best receiver is Jay Kumro. That's five. If that were the end of the receiver room, wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. 
Why do you need to keep more than five in an offense where they're probably not going to go more than two that often, or at least more often than not? If you're only going to play two receivers 60 plus percent of the time, you don't need seven. And, you know, I thought it was pretty ridiculous that they kept that many last year, given how infrequently they played four and five receivers. If you're going to keep all those guys, put them on the field. And I know that, you know, Trevor Davis was hurt and Geronimo Allison was hurt. But even when those guys were healthy, we didn't see them on the field. So, you know, from a receiver standpoint, Kumaro is the fifth best receiver on this team. I think he has a chance to actually be an NFL player. Trevor Davis, though, is a much better returner. What does Jamon Moore do? What does he evolve into? Can he make that leap? Every year at Missouri, he got better. He needs to get a lot better from year one to year two to be an impactful player on this team. And I think the road to him being impactful is a long one. He's not there yet. He's not ahead of EQ to me. He's not ahead of Kumaro to me. And because he doesn't have those return skills like Trevor Davis... He's the last one. He is the last man on this seven-person totem pole. So he's got the tallest hill to climb. I also think he has the potential to be a very good route runner, to be that double-move type player in this offense. I think he can be a dynamic receiver. I think he has that ability. He just hasn't consistently caught the ball hasn't consistently played with confidence, and part of that is because he couldn't catch the ball. Can't catch the ball early, that snowballs, and now you can't do much of anything. This is a problem, obviously. I don't have to tell you that. Clearly a problem. <laughs> so, you know, he has to he has to make that leap. He has to prove it. He has to go catch Kumaro. He has to be so good as a receiver that they're willing to say, Trevor Davis, sorry, your return skills are not valuable enough to keep Jamon Moore off the team. I think at most they take six receivers, which means one of these guys is done. But again, injuries can solve this problem. Injuries can solve it. And it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have to have too many good players. And speaking of players, the Locked On NBA mock draft is underway. The local experts are in every draft room. Jeremy Wu of SI.com is there with the player breakdowns. And Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball with the fantasy breakdown. All of it on Locked On NBA. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk... 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'd like to finish on these kinds of questions. Hello, Peter. Zach Baldivia here from Amarillo, Texas. Again, thanks for the awesome content. I didn't have a question, just a small rant 
for everyone. I'm really not digging all the shade thrown at our team. We are a new team from past years, and we shouldn't expect the same old seasons. From one excited fan to another, go pack go with a ton of exclamation points. I like the energy. I like the enthusiasm. And I think I think you're going to see that a lot of Packer players feel the same way. I think I think the team is understanding of the expectations that have been put on them. That there are some a lot of people out there doubting them. And if the leaders on this team are worth their salt, they are going to remind them of that. But we'll see. We'll see. There was an interesting discussion yesterday on Twitter about, you know, do the Packers hit their the over under for them is nine and a half right now. Do they go over or under? And I said the reality is they're probably either in nine and seven or ten and six win team. Just the schedule's really tough and it's gonna it's gonna take some time to coalesce in this offense. And it's really, really tough. Well, hey, guess what? That's why gambling is gambling. That's why there are there are castles built in the desert. Because they make this hard. You have to decide for yourself what your expectations are. We're going to certainly set those. We're going to talk about expectations for this team moving forward. We're going to talk about them in August and, and July and as we move forward through training camp and, and preseason. But, you know, you're going to have to set those expectations. And then you decide, did they meet them or did they not? I think clearly they didn't meet anyone's expectations last year, unless you're, you know, a Bears or a Vikings or a Cowboys fan. Maybe then they did. Uh, but your expectations in those cases were really more wishful thinking than anything else. And if you're listening to this show, like, why? I don't. It's a weird, it's a weird take. But it's your prerogative. You know, you you also decided to root for the teams that you root for, and that's that's also your prerogative. But you know, we all make choices. <laughs> and speaking of making choices, I hope you make the choice to subscribe to Locked On Packers on whatever iTunes, Spotify. Whatever, whatever platform you use to consume podcasts, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Let other people know why you're listening to Locked on Packers when you're driving to work or around town. All you have to do is tell your smart device to play Locked on Packers, and we're going to be right there with you for that drive. So check that out. Test, test your car. Test your Amazon. Text, text your, your Google Home. All those things. You can just, okay, Google. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to say. Tell them to play Locked On Packers. I won't repeat it. I had some some people mad because they had multiple Google Homes in their in their house, and I I had them playing podcasts on multiple different speakers because I repeated the the whole command. Sorry, I won't do that again. I apologize. <laughs> uh, you can. I won't apologize for asking you to follow me on Twitter. I will be shameless about that. Go follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Even if you don't use Twitter, create a Twitter account and follow me. And if you do that, if you do that. Absolutely tell me and I will shout you out on the show. I promise you 100% I will do that. Also follow Locked on Packers on Twitter, at Locked on Packers. I made that one really easy. And if you want to be a part of a show just like this, you can do that. It's so easy. Send me a text. Give me a call. Whatever you want to do. The Locked on Packers fan hotline is open for you. 920-341-3775. The best way, the easiest way, the simplest way. To stay locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? 
Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.